For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today. Uh, hi and welcome to this week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am in Basta Pizza Bar in Patrick, uh, Partick. <laughs> Joined by Pat- Patrick. How are you doing? Patrick from Partick. That's it, exactly. I live just uh, a few minutes uh, along the road, so the the envelopes get a bit confusing sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a lovely, lovely place. It's the first time I've been in, so thanks to Innes for having us, uh, letting us in here, and, and very much looking forward to having a pizza when it's safe to do so. Absolutely. How are you getting on? How am I getting on? It's weird. I mean, everybody is uh, out trying to do election campaign stuff, and... Um, since that started, uh, kind of meeting up with journalists and photographers and stuff, and they're all excited to be out and about again after, you know, being stuck at home, working from home. So it's it's good fun that we're out and about campaigning, but it's still really limited. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we can't go door knocking. Uh, and, you know, even even if technically it's it could probably be made safe, I think people, especially in a place like Glasgow where it's all tenement closes, people wouldn't welcome it, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Delivery's fine, but it's not the same when you can't have a, a conversation to people. So, yeah, we're all trying to find new ways of having those conversations and, and reaching people. How so does, it's, how it's great fun compare, to be in an election, but it's a really different, odd kind of election. How does that compare? Do you, do you feel a bit disillusioned by it, or do you think, do you know what, I'm just going to end this, is, this is the way it is and we'll make it work? Well, yeah, you have to. I mean, you, you can't just sit there thinking, I wish there wasn't a pandemic. I wish there wasn't, but there is, and you just have to work through it. And in some ways, it does force people to be more creative. Uh, You know, it's forcing us to be more creative. Lots of organisations have found that actually the objections they had to people working from home can be solved. And we're probably going to see a lot of change that that will last. We need to find ways to make sure that works for people, not just for employers, you know. Um, But yeah, it's, it's... you know, anything that's a challenge is also kind of interesting because it forces you to, to think differently. It must be really interesting for yourself because, you know, we're all sitting at home during this, working from home, as you said. You're at the forefront of making these decisions as to, you know, what is the road out of lockdown? What does it look like? And do you feel a degree of responsibility? And I suppose you must look at your colleagues sometimes and think, what are they talking about? You know, I, I don't agree with it, especially when you look at the Tories down south and, you know, the way that Boris tried to rush things through yeah. last year and you must be tearing your hair out if you had it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a, a sense of, of responsibility. And also, I think, if, if we're honest, all of us in politics, uh, you know, it's, it's been very clear that a pandemic was going to happen sooner or later. We could all have been better prepared. We could all have been, you know, forcing questions up the agenda about how prepared is the NHS, how prepared is our care sector. Uh, you know, we've, we've been challenging things like insecure uh, employment, insecure housing for, for loads of other reasons. Yeah. But, you know, we, we could have uh, we could have and should have seen it in, in terms of how resilient is our society against a really traumatic issue like a like a pandemic Absolutely. so everybody i think is trying to figure out what's what's the best way to hold government to account we don't want to be opportunistic about it but we do want to make sure that they're under pressure where they need to be but i think everybody's also conscious that you know especially with the climate 
emergency and the likelihood that uh, not just pandemics but many other really difficult challenges are coming down the track toward us. Uh, I think everybody's thinking we, we're going to have to get better at resilience, we're going to have to get better at planning our society so that people can cope with really tough times because there may be there may be more coming. Yeah, yeah I, I hate to be doing gloom but you know you, you mentioned the climate emergency there and I think that's obviously been at the forefront of the agenda for the Scottish Greens for many years but it's, it's now getting pushed up the agenda. We've got COP26 coming to Glasgow and how important is it to be on top of that? I mean it's critical. It's um, especially for the uh, the, the generation of you know school climate strikers and, and you know folk who are, who are recognising they're going to live their entire lives in a time defined by by this crisis, the collapse of our life support system, um, and defined by our response to it as well. Um, we've reached a really interesting point politically where every political party knows they need to say the right things. Um, very few of them, you know, maybe the Westminster, the Westminster Tories, but not even the Tories up here, have outright climate deniers. Uh, you know, Scotland's Scotland's never really had much of that. We used to have a bit of it, um, but even as a fossil fuel producing country, when the first climate change legislation was being debated, every single political party was moving amendments to make it stronger. That's now, positive. Certainly positive. Yeah, it's it's very unusual though. You know, very few countries had that kind of dynamic at that point. I didn't always agree with what the the, the, the right of politics were trying to do, but they were they were trying to do something that they thought would would make it a better bill. They were not trying to to knock it down and dismantle it. You know, sure. so everybody's now using language like net zero and just transition and climate emergency. We're not seeing an emergency response. Yeah. And we're not seeing a transition on the scale and pace that's needed. Uh, people talk about a just transition, but they also talk about continuing oil and gas extraction for as long as there is demand for it. Yeah. Well, if we do that, you know, we're screwed. A, a, a transition that is too late sure. is the same as not even trying. So we need to we need to move that that sense of you know a window of opportunity that is rapidly closing. That that needs to be where the, the kind of political consciousness is, rather than just, you know, here are, here are my next set of targets, which I'm going to miss, you know. You, you hit the nail on the head. It's ultimately actions are speak louder than words, you know, and, and in my opinion, the Scottish government have said that they will do X, Y, and Z, but it's actually doing it that is, is what you're expecting them to do and what you, what you need them to do to change that. And yeah. again, you know, you, you look at the younger generation, I've got a younger sister who lives in the Highlands, who's only 17, and her awareness around issues like this, so far ahead of yeah. my family members who are, you know, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And yeah. For me, that's a real positive. Yeah. It's, it's got to be that you believe the people that are coming through, you know, it's, it's not about us anymore. It's yeah. about how do we protect, you know, the future generations. Now, last year, um, I think it was just, uh, might have been just a, a week or so before lockdown, there was, a, there was a climate strike demo in George Square. And I had the extraordinary privilege of introducing my mum as a speaker at it. it. They, they'd asked me to speak and my mum was in the audience and I, I couldn't help uh, getting her up because, you know, there is a point to make. She was a green activist decades ago, back in the, the, the 70s and 80s. And if the world had taken action, I mean, serious action at that point, when the green movement was first, not just the green movement, when the, the scientific community globally was first saying, look, this is serious. 
this, this is going to kill a lot of people if we don't turn it around. If the world had taken that action then, it would have been easy. It would That's have been it. slow and gradual and easy. And it's only because decade after decade has gone past and we haven't taken that action that now it is an emergency response that's needed and it has to be rapid. Um, there's, no, there's no shying away from that. I love that you, you brought up your mum because I suppose what I was wanting to do is touch back onto your early experiences in politics. And <laughs> for me, you know, everyone is shaped in some way by their parents, you yeah. know, be that positively or negatively. And uh, I've heard you speak before, you know, about your mum taking you in your tram to CND rallies <laughs> and uh, being arrested at Paz Lane with your mum, you yeah. know, campaigning yeah. as well. No, How- my um, my mum was, uh, I mean, she was a green activist, but also a community activist. And, um, and you know, I mean, I think she, she kind of got close to the peace movement, partly because um, there was a, my mum was a, a midwife and uh, yeah. there was a, a woman who was staying at the, the Paz Lane peace camp who was pregnant and wasn't getting much support or, or help on the terms that she needed it. Um, and so my mum just started going up there to visit her and make sure she was all right and all that kind of stuff. So there was a, a little bit of a kind of, kind of family connection there as well. Um, Do you remember going, you know, in your plan to these rallies or was that before you? What was the I, was, I, I certainly remember yeah. getting pushed along at a, in, a, in a pram um, on a, on a CND march. And I remember my mum knitting me a CND jumper Brilliant. that I wore to primary school. That's <laughs> that is so stereotypical. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in, you know, I was growing up in Dunbarton, so there were folk there with families where, you know, they had a job at the base and it was, it was a job and that was important. And we've still got to, we still got to recognise that, you know, whether it's you know, nuclear weapons, whether it's the arms industry, which is still getting funding from the Scottish government at the moment, uh, whether it's the oil and gas industry um, or other other industries that we want to see decline, like you know things like tobacco, we don't we don't want to be sort of you know thinking that our economic future is dependent on industries that that do so much harm. But we also don't want to say to hell with the economics and and let's just demand yeah. some kind of hair sharp future. We need to be investing in the sustainable industries that will create prosperity for the future and if anybody tells you that that's a question of market forces don't believe a word of it you know that that is just handing the problem over to, to the, the basic economic system that brought us to the brink of crisis is not going to be the one that solves it yeah. so we're going to need to see you know a reimagined role for the state and I'd say including the local state it's not just about central government yeah. it's about what communities can do collectively through uh, to local government as well. If if we had local government that was worthy of the name in this country, it, it, you know, it's been depleted of its power and of its agency. Absolutely, and it's you, you hit the nail on the head for me. I mean, I'm, I'm from Motherwell, brought up in Lanarkshire, and you know, live in the shadows of the Ravens Creek, and, mm. and you see that the effect that shutting that plant has had in the community. And yeah. I think what the Scottish Greens look at, you know, is yep, we don't want these industries, you know, killing off the environment, you know, mm. being there for us, but. Yes, we'll get rid of them, but we're going to put jobs in place to yes. look after that community. We've got some of the most skilled engineers in the world. Yes. You know, it's and not we, as if they're going to be out on their We need to be unapologetic about using phrases like economic planning. Yeah. You know, that doesn't mean the state has to control everything, but it means having a sense of where your economy is going. Mm-hmm. You know, just recently, uh, you know, not, not so many years ago, we shut down the last coal-fired power station in Scotland. Good. 
had to close it, it had to go, that was the right thing. But what we should have done was spend the last 10 years of its operation with the operator, private sector business, the local council, central government, all around the table saying, how do we invest in this community's future? Yeah. And instead, they were all saying, no, no, we're fully committed to the long-term life of this, this plan. Uh, Longanet is going to be there, you know, we're committed to these jobs. And it's only once you finally take the decision it's closing, you know, oh, right, let's have a task force uh, to, to try. Yeah. Absolutely, it's too late. If you, if you can see economic change coming, you've got to plan for it. Otherwise, you just leave people on the scrap heap. Yep. You were elected in 2003 for the first time? A long time ago. So I When I was young. <laughs> You're going to get elected again. <laughs> And that'll be over 20 years in the Scottish Parliament, you know, halfway through the next Parliament. What makes you keep going back? <laughs> um, well, we've, we've not finished yet, have we? We're not. Great answer. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, I mean, I, 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 it has been a privilege. Uh, and I've been through, I got elected when, when we went from one seat to seven. Robin Harper had been our first and only MSP in the first session of the Scottish Parliament and we suddenly went to seven seats and it was incredibly exciting and yes we're we're gonna you know grow the, the movement Scotland we're gonna be a, a mainstream part of the political landscape and uh, not mainstream in the sense of, of you know continuing the same kind of politics, centered yeah. ground politics but we're gonna shake things up and we're gonna we're gonna be sort of and then we we went down from from seven down to two seats mm-hmm. For the next two sessions, and it was really, really tough. It's it must have been lonely. It's yeah. awful trying to trying to make the impact that you yeah. know needs to be made without the capacity. So now that we now that we went back up to to, to six seats at the last election, that was you know again a moment of thinking. We have to we have to to not let that that collapse happen again. And we were we were then at the point of having grown the membership immensely on the on the back of the, the independence referendum yeah. which was a moment when I think a lot more people noticed green politics sure. uh, as opposed to just knowing oh yeah there's a green MSP isn't there actually seeing green politics put front and center of a, of a national debate so I think we're I think we're a different party than we were at that point yeah um, in lots of other European countries greens have been in government yeah. uh, both nationally and locally uh, and I see no reason at all that we shouldn't aspire to that. Um, not necessarily expecting <laughs> us to sweep to power and be the biggest party after this yeah. election, but making that progress and demonstrating by having an impact that when Greens get into positions of, of influence, they put forward good, positive ideas. They don't spend their time playing games and just trying to... I mean, look at where Scottish politics has been in the, in the last few months you have this bizarre sense of, of almost kind of Trumpian conspiracy theories coming from the Tories and you know I've, I've almost got to the point where you know I'm kind of expecting them uh, come come the election result to be marching down the Royal Mile saying you know stop the steal you know yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is kind of this is the, the tone of, of politics that yeah. they've got and it achieves absolutely nothing it gets their base fired up. Yeah. It gets people who support them angry, but it achieves nothing in the way of positive change that actually makes a difference in people's lives. Patrick, you, you, you compare talk, that to, yeah. to what we've achieved. I think it, it makes a difference. You, you, know? you talk about getting this base fired up, you know, and, and these people being, you know, rallied on the streets and online. And I think since the referendum, but more so, you know, now 
you see that firsthand on social media. You know, you must open up your your phone or your laptop and look at your Twitter mentions and think, mm. what is this going on? You know, yeah. it's 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 worrying. Well, you know, you're reminding me how how long I've been in the job again. You know, I remember Twitter when it was nice. (laughs) I remember Twitter when it was mostly people just posting a link to a nice thing they found and saying, this is nice, isn't it? And lots of people would say, oh, yeah, that's nice. And it was just just a a kind of sharing experience. Instagram's still a little bit like that. But yeah, there's lots of of social media that just amplifies the the kind of of worst elements. Yeah, and, and I don't think these parties, you know, like the Tories, for example, and, you know, you look over in America with Trump, who... Where would you start with that? But they don't help it. It's almost no. like they want to fuel the flames. Yeah. Oh, oh no, it's a, it's a very deliberate strategy. And um, and it's it's depressing for me. You know, I'm a, I'm a sci-fi fan. I always have been. And if you'd told me when I was a kid that I would have, that everybody would have this little slap <laughs> in their pocket yep. that could not just access the sum total of human knowledge, but communicate with anybody else instantly, yeah. I mean that that's an incredibly empowering, enlightening idea. And it's turned into a bit of fire, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's and it's something that should depressing. be so positive. I know. You no. Know, it's horrendous. There must be some of them though that you, you read it and you just laugh. You know, if you don't laugh you'll cry. Yeah, well, um I mean I I, I think sometimes I should make better use of the, the block button. I, I try not to because I kinda think even if even if people are being really unpleasant it's it's kind of healthy for me to see it's not really healthy is it but it kind of kind of feels like as a politician i ought to see it you know yeah yeah um at, at some point i'll probably um i'll probably just get in and, and say I, I don't want to hear from you i think it must be draining though you know it, it must be really really draining because you're you're spending all day doing your best to help other people doing what you think's right for this country and getting people through such a difficult time and to go home at night, you know, when you're wanting to switch off and to see that. Do you know what? One of the things that I have missed about lockdown, eh, you know, spending a lot of time working from home is talking to real people because, yeah. you know, the experience of, of real people, even if not everyone's supporting you, if, if I walk down the street and, and people recognise me off the telly or whatever <laughs> and they, they say something, it's mostly nice. Yeah. Even the bits that aren't supportive are mostly pretty respectful and, and kind of... Maybe Absolutely. a bit, maybe a bit cheeky is the worst that it would get. Yeah, know? but in a, in a Glasgow sense of humour, that yeah. you know, it's probably not too bad though. But you know, most people are not in in real life the kind of appalling characters that seem to inhabit the, the online world. So <laughs> exactly. it's reassuring, you know, if you if you chat to somebody on the bus or you know at the train station or in the supermarket totally. or whatever, and actually you remember that the real world is not like that. What do you do to switch off and get away from it? I, I know that you're a fan of Peacock's ice cream, so that's probably <laughs> probably one of your, your vices. But there have been some really interesting food businesses that have, you know, little independent places that have managed not just to keep going through this, but even to start up in the middle of this. And yeah, Peacock's ice cream is, is one of the one of the um, the, the treats. Um, if uh, if your listeners haven't heard of it, um, you can. You can go online and subscribe to their email list, and their flavour drop appears in your, in your email inbox uh, every every Sunday night, and it'll usually sell out within five or ten minutes. Um, and at the moment, you have to either collect it or get it delivered. But um, you know, hopefully, as as things get back to something like normality, I suspect there'll be quite a few hospitality venues, cafes, and, and what have you who are going to want to to stock that stuff because it's amazing, interesting, weird. <laughs> Eccentric flavors. 
Is there anywhere, you know, on, on your doorstep around here that you're looking forward to visit, you know, when, when things are a bit more better and, and easier to do so? Is there... I can't wait to have a, a, a pint in the Three Judges. Uh, it's one of my favourite pubs in, in Partick. Um, I'm a, a member of the uh, Campaign for Real Ale, so, um, you know, a, a good pub with a, a range of interesting beer is, is something blissful. Um, and the, the judges is nice because it's not too loud, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's quite kind of laid back and, and traditional and that's the kind of pub <laughs> I like. I really miss beer festivals. If we, can, if we can manage to let beer festivals happen again at some point, probably quite a bit later this year before we can do that, but that, that would be blessed. Patrick, I'm not putting it down, but if you ever get the invitation or if anyone ever asks you to go to Motherwell Beer Festival, do not go to it. Really? Especially as a member of a campaign for Real Ale. There is no draft beer. There is no Real no. Ale. It's all bottles. <laughs> it's the ultimate disappointment. So I'll give you the heads up in that one. Well, the Paisley one is, is one of the best. I've heard that's um, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's it's grown, you know, a, a wee bit bigger than I find comfortable these days. Uh, Troon is fantastic. Is it? Okay. The Troon one is lovely. That's smaller. Sure. Uh, but it's, it's really good. And the Glasgow Real Ale Festival, obviously. Um, but yeah, it, that's um, that's a, an occasional treat if uh, if some of the organisers um, they they maybe want somebody to be on a tasting panel to do the, the judging, you know. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. It is a bit dangerous, yeah. But, um, Especially if it's tuning, you need to find your way home from just tuning, just so. a very occasional little treat. Uh, before that, we've got a, a very important Scottish election coming up in in just a matter of weeks, you know. And I suppose the first question for those that are listening or watching is why should they vote for the Scottish Green Party? Well, um, I mean, partly I'm obviously going to say I think we've had a good impact. I think when you get Greens elected, it does make a difference. We are the reason why Scotland's got a fairer tax system than the rest of the UK. You know, back at the last election, we were the only party proposing a serious change to the tax system and showing how it could be done. The SNP wanted basically to tinker at the edges and no real change. Labour and Lib Dems wanted a, a penny on the basic rate, so even low earners would be paying more. And obviously the Tories only wanted tax cuts for the, for the wealthiest. We showed that with a, a five-band system, you can raise more revenue and protect everybody on a, a low or average income from any tax rises and close the inequality gap. And that's what we've done. Uh, so that's raised hundreds of millions of pounds extra for local services. We've, you know, advanced issues like public transport, energy efficiency, uh, again, saving folk money. During the pandemic, we, we managed to stop uh, evictions, uh, started during the winter, but that's been extended now. Uh, we reversed the, the unfair downgrading of, of uh, young people's exam results, well, the, the replacement for exams, this kind of algorithm that was basically gonna entrench educational inequality, we got that fixed. So we've, we've made an impact, but really it's got to be about the future. You know, the, the decisions that are made in the next session of the parliament, yes, it'll be about how, we, how do we recover from COVID? Do we rebuild the same broken economy that left so many people with, with low wages and insecure housing and, uh, you know, burden people with debt? Or do we rebuild a fairer economy? It's also about the climate and nature emergencies, you know, the sense that we can build a, a society and an economy that, that meets people's needs without trashing our own life support system. We can do that, um, but we have to have the will to do it. 
we have to genuinely be willing to, to make the, the transformational changes and not keep telling people you can have more of what you're used to. We need to find ways in politics to, to actually engage with people about change. Sure. You know, transport's the, the obvious example. Most political parties just want to give you, you know, another road, another bridge, you know, give you more of what you're used yeah. to, in, or you even make it cheaper to do what you're used to. Sure. Cut your fuel taxes or whatever. If we, if we want to genuinely meet people's needs and have a healthier urban environment in a place like, like Glasgow here, with, we're, we're on one of the, the worst air quality uh, you know, Roads, yeah. parts of, of, of Scotland, never mind Glasgow, right here on Dumbarton Road. Um, if we want to change that, never mind tra- tackling the, the carbon emissions, it's not about giving people more of the same. It's, it's about saying we can do this differently. Um, and the, the poverty and inequality in our society as well is not necessary. It's not a law of nature that that the wealthy have to keep hoarding the wealth uh, and everybody else keeps on creating it but not receiving the benefit. You know, think of things like automation. I think it's it's incredible that human beings are so creative, inventive, that we're we're developing technologies that will do a lot of work that, that used to be done by people. We need to find ways to make sure that that benefits everybody instead of just benefiting the people who own the intellectual property behind yeah. uh, the systems that are, that are being automated. Things like a universal basic income would do that. It would mean that increasing productivity in the economy gets shared by everybody instead of hoarded by a few. You know, you need fair taxation. You need a whole host of different ways of doing that. But ideas like universal basic income would do it in a way that also strengthens the hand of people who are in the workforce when they're negotiating for better wages because yeah. they know they don't have to accept crap wages because yeah. there's, a, there's a universal basic income that's, that's there to rely on. I almost feel that UBI is the perfect example of something that should have happened well before the pandemic and now oh, totally. we've seen the examples Absolutely. of why that should Absolutely. You know. You know, you, we wouldn't have been debating, you know, do people need £500 <laughs> as this kind of minimal yeah. grant when they have to self-isolate because you, you've got that basic. So anyway, these decisions that the next parliament is going to take are life and death decisions about the, 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 the climate emergency, yeah. about our, our environmental life support system, but it's also about everything in our economy. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you care about your future, you better vote like your future depends on it, because it does, you know? Yeah. The, the decisions that are going to be made by MSPs in the next session, whether that's about Scotland's place in the world and the constitution and independence, whether it's about what independence would be for, what the purpose of it would be. Yeah. Um, let's let's vote for the, the kind of world that we want to live in. You know, and, and we've seen the impact of the things that you touched on there with, you know, five, six green MSPs in Parliament. You know, you, you talk about free bus travel for everyone under 22, reversing the exam results. We're currently polling at getting 11 MSPs, Patrick. You know, that. Yeah, I mean, one of the most recent polls um, showed us uh, on, on, I mean, I think it was Salvation, and it's it's, the best poll that I've ever seen for us. It showed us on 11 seats, but it also showed us just a whisker away of uh, getting two more. Uh, and one of those would be uh, Nadia Kanyangi in, in Glasgow. That would be the th- getting a third Glasgow seat. That would be phenomenal. Um, you never take anything for granted. And there are polls that are, that are less optimistic for us, but even those seem to be moving in the right direction. So I'm really hopeful. I'm incredibly grateful to all the new volunteers that we've got had so many people signing up to go out and do leaflet deliveries and so on 
I wish we could get them knocking on doors and, and canvassing as well, but to be able to get that those deliveries out, to be able to get the scale of a campaign that's that's visible and that people know that we're out there uh, is uh, is fantastic. So massive thank you to everybody who's who's stepped forward and, and helped us with that. You mentioned Nadia Kanyangi there in Glasgow and I, I feel that her story's incredible, you know, for those that don't know. Nadia was a refugee, came from Burundi and, and now lives in Glasgow and is standing on the list uh, for the Scottish Green Party. All across the country it seems like there's amazing diverse candidates, mm. you know, that uh, more women candidates than any other political party. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a biggie for us this time as well because, you know, we've, we've long been committed to uh, gender balance in candidate selection. In fact, I, th- I think I'm right in saying the first party conference I ever went to just a few weeks after I joined they were debating how to how to make sure that the, the gender balance selection process was was right. So you know that's as long as I've been in the party. But the last election, 50-50 just wasn't enough because we we missed out on some seats by a whisker, yep. uh, and we we gained you know region like west of Scotland, Ross Greer in again just over Very the close. line, um, and just with with that that um, you know the the, the way the way the bricks fell, you know, yeah. um, we ended up with a, a parliamentary group that was very, very unbalanced, even though we'd, we'd had 50-50 sure. candidate selection. So this time we've been clear, 50-50 isn't enough. Uh, and our lead candidate list, uh, the, the people in, in, in positions most likely to get elected are uh, about 70% women. And uh, that's, if we, if we have even a standstill election, that would result in a, a 50-50 parliamentary group. But if we have anything like what some of the polls are suggesting, uh, will be the first group in the Scottish Parliament with a majority of women in, the, in the group. So that's really important to the parties, is getting that right. And I think what's important as well is, you know, it's, it's extremely talented women. You know, and I think the, the last few weeks have shown when we've, we've seen, for example, the leaders debate that Lorna was on her first TV debate there, yeah. co-leader with yourself, you know, the talent there's yeah. fantastic. And Lorna and I have been co-leaders together for about a year and a half now. And... Um, it's always a little bit of a challenge uh, outside of election times because the media will go to your parliamentarians because they've got profile already, and that becomes a, a, a kind of yeah. vicious circle. How do you how do you get more profile when the media want to go to the people who've already got it? Elections are a real opportunity to change that. So Lorna had already done a little bit of live TV interviews and stuff, but that was that was her first live studio debate, and they were a really challenging thing to do. They, you really have to be on your toes. And there's a danger of over-preparing as well, of, yeah. of you sound Thinking like a robot much. when you're over-prepared. Yeah. But she, she was terrific and, you know, she took to it like, like it's her, her medium, you know. So uh, I, was, I was delighted with the, the, the reactions that she was getting and the, the support that she'd had. Do you enjoy the debates? Like when, when you're on the telly, do you, before you go on, you must feel slightly nervous, but is there also a bit of excitement about it or is it like... Yeah, no, um, I, I do enjoy them. Yeah. And, uh, Quite often, the most frustrating thing is that the time goes so quickly, yeah. uh, especially when you get five, sometimes six people on a on a panel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if they if they last an hour, um, that that goes very very quickly. But it's it's good fun. Uh, I'm I'm sad that they're they're going to be happening without studio audiences at the moment because mm-hmm. that again changes the dynamic and it, it gives you a little bit of live feedback about how. It's how the, yeah. the arguments are getting across and so on yeah. Um, but yeah it's um it's going to be good fun and uh, try and try and get across some of those 
those arguments that, that Greens are about. And this is the first time the broadcasters have given us equal coverage with the other parliamentary parties as well. So good opportunity. I think that's you know very important as well because that's probably one of the main differences between this election and the 2016 election is you know that I think that for people that are looking in, Scottish Greens are much more visible now. You know, it's this is a serious party that's going to make a difference. Yeah, and we've been we've been doing our best to give the media a little bit of uh, kind of daily, you know, dose of what we what we've got to say each, each morning. We were talking today about uh, the the need for a, a proper ban on fox hunting, uh, and so I got to uh, go and visit a wildlife centre where they've got a, a fox uh, called <laughs> McDonald, uh, who's been there since he was uh, discovered a few days old as a cub. So he's very very tame and friendly. Sure. He's, he's never lived in the wild still a wild animal but you know uh, tame enough that you can you can have a, a bit of a play with him and so at one I've point he was cl- climbing on top of my head and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah that was, that was a bit of a highlight yeah. I've, uh, I love that you brought that up as well because I've seen some of the I'll touch on some of the negative comments that I've seen from opposition parties and I, I think you could probably laugh these off you know it's uh, on one side you've got people saying Scottish Greens don't care about independence, you know, they're, they're not remotely interested. And then on the other side, you've got people that are saying, oh, they don't care about environmentalists, all <laughs> they care about is independence. Um, yeah, I mean, the like we were saying, Twitter brings out the worst sometimes. But uh, yeah, if, if we, the, there's a certain kind of um, particularly hard right unionist who will parrot everything the Tories come out with. Uh, and if, we, if we're saying something that's not about the environment, if we're saying something about poverty or social policy or uh, nuclear weapons or, or the constitution, it's, uh, you know, these fake greens, they never they never talk about the environment. As soon as you start talking about climate change, oh, they're talking about climate once once in a while. What a shock, you know, Nicola must have let them, you know. Yeah. Kind of, if you come just, out in Nicola's pocket, yeah, it's, it's just dribble, it's just dribble. Oh, and the bad memes they come out. Oh my God, somebody, somebody needs to give these people a bit of training on, on Photoshop or something, you know, because they're awful. But you know, on the other side, on the pro-independent side as well, you've got you've got some people who just are so obsessed with one issue that they can't see beyond it. And if we if we're not saying independence, 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 yeah. you know, if we if we if we if we're talking about anything other than that, it's like, oh, you don't really care about indie, do you? You don't really care about. Indie. And yeah. I, can we not just rise above this a little bit? Don't we think our country, if you believe that, that Scotland can and should be an independent country, don't you think it deserves a political debate that's a bit richer than that? Yeah. That actually engages with the, the things that affect people's lives on a daily basis, yeah. that cost people's lives on a daily basis. You know, poverty and inequality in, in this society is the responsibility of local government, it's the responsibility of the Scottish government, the responsibility of the UK government and yeah I profoundly disagree with many things that the UK government have done not just the Tory government but the Labour government before them you know that effectively turned what should be a social security system into a system for bullying people into low paid work and then subsidising that low paid work so that employers don't need to take responsibility so I profoundly disagree with a lot of what the UK government has done but that doesn't mean that we stop taking responsibility it doesn't mean that you say ugh wished for Indy, you know, every, everything will be sorted after. It won't. You know, the problems that our society has will not be solved uh, with independence unless the pro-independence movement is fully committed to acting 
with the powers that we have now. We need to demonstrate by our actions what we're about and what the purpose of it is. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I feel equally frustrated by, by some of the people who pretend that independence is just a, a silver bullet, that it solves every problem, that it's, it's the one thing it's we need. Start, isn't it? It's, yeah. As I am by the people who, who say, you know, you know, shut up about independence, it would be a disaster, it would never yeah. work, you know, the, the UK is wonderful and perfect. <laughs> Both of these extreme positions are yeah. a nonsense. Uh, and, you know, I, I hope and I actually believe that Scotland will be independent in the not too distant future and will take its place on the world stage. And it, the, the kind of country that I want that to be is one that will advocate for transformational change, both at home and on the world stage. And if it's not doing that, you know, at that point, I would question what the purpose of it was. But I'm, I'm convinced that we, can, that we can do it and do it in a way that does open up a, a world of possibilities for a better society. Yeah, and I think you, you've touched on it there. Green MSPs are going to be very crucial and very important when it comes to securing that independence vote, if and when it comes. Well, that's been the, the case in the, in the current session, certainly. And, uh, you know, even, even a lot of the polls that are suggesting the SNP would get a, a, a majority on their own are saying that they would only just be over that, that margin. So I think there's a very, very strong chance that they will need a good, strong group of, of Green MSPs in there, uh, not just saying, yes, we're committed to a referendum. Yes, it should happen in this session. Yes, it's for the Scottish Parliament to decide the timing and the, and the question and that we'll campaign for a yes vote but actually saying, and that shouldn't stop us from taking responsibility now for you know, taking more uh, you know, profound action. Things like our education system, which is still based on this kind of, um, almost a 19th century model of a kind of high stakes, you know, the, 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 the kind of exam pressure. It, it's not, we're not taking the lessons from the more progressive Scandinavian countries, for example, that are actually being successful at closing the attainment gap um, and one of the Scottish still... policies, Patrick, is, you know, let's start school at seven and have a kindergarten age before that. Absolutely, you know... yeah, absolutely. We're still, we're still teaching people to be, uh, you know, effective participants in the 20th century economy uh, at best. You know, yeah. we, we really need to go back to, uh, to first principles with, with issues like education. Health, you know, we're, we're still at the point where everybody values the health service and we, you know, we going to keep the, the health service properly funded, keep it in the public sector and all this, and yet we're building a society that, that creates ill health. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're, 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 we're building systems to fish people out of the river while we're still pushing people into the river further upstream, you yeah. know. Why, why can't we think about a planning system, uh, a transport system, yeah. uh, in terms of the, the health uh, impact that we have? Why can't we think about our housing in terms of, of its impact on people's health and well-being, uh, because you know, fundamentally, if we don't do that, we're still going to be storing up problems. And even if we are independent, if we're not taking that different approach to these these issues we're already responsible for, there'll still be problems. It's going to be a, a very interesting election night this time because obviously, usually it goes through the <laughs> night. Or you know, you wake up the yeah. next morning, you usually know what's who's been elected, but. Yeah, the, the my, vote, my first time we counted overnight and we got the result at half past five in the morning <laughs> and then a, a bunch of us um, across, the, across the, the footbridge from the SEC uh, to my, my flat in Finiston 
uh, and there were more of us than I had square feet of floor space and we um, you know celebrated and had a drink and, and what have you and then I got straight on the train to go to the press conference in the morning <laughs> it's not going to be like that we're yeah. going to have to wait two maybe three days for the final result um, and will, will the candidates be able to go home and go to sleep I don't know <laughs> it's there isn't it it's, it's certainly different yeah um, some people won't miss the overnight count um, some some people don't like it I, I like it it's um it's a it's a good place for gossip as well when you go to the county. You know, you you're no longer, you know, in that kind of ultra competitive mode that you are in the final stages of an election, and so the folk across the different parties, you know, some some folk in in political parties are, are so tribally hostile that it's not worth bothering. But most political parties, if it's uh, you know a fair number of folk who are friendly enough that. You can have a bit, a bit of banter and a bit of gossip and stuff. So and election counts are good for that. That's a really interesting point because we see everyone uh, in this polarised society, especially when it comes to politics, but there must be some people across the divide that you do get on with on a personal level. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, you know, I think that's, again, something that suffered in the absence of working physically together in the in the parliament building so much. Yeah. Um, you know, working from home is, is all very well and it's good that we can. And I think, I think, I hope, the Scottish Parliament will continue, especially to, for kind of family-friendly reasons, yeah. to allow people to, to work from home and vote from home, you know, perhaps within limits, you know, maybe not everybody all the time, you know, but not being able to have folk together in the Parliament um, and, you know, maybe maybe prop up the bar together uh, at the end <laughs> yeah. of the evening or whatever. Uh, you know, it's some of the informal discussions that happen that's that's one of the things that keeps politics civilized. Now, yeah. I wonder if it's one of the reasons things have got so polarized in the last few months. Because you're not uh, together. So tri no. tribally hostile. Yeah, it's just because people aren't having that that kind of human interaction. You know. Totally. So I'm looking forward to, to getting back to that when when we can. And I think I think probably lots of people in lots of different jobs will recognise that as well. That yeah. you know, working from home has got its advantages, but. There's a, there's, a, there's a human contact that's missed as well. Absolutely. Patrick, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks to everyone who has watched or listened to this episode of the DW Podcast. If you've not done so, please like and subscribe. Uh, you can follow Patrick and Scottish Greens on all social media platforms. You can also vote for them on the 6th of May. Thanks very much. <laughs>